here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Rob McCarran. Jeff Hawkins. Is it? Can it be? It is! The phenomenal one is here! AJ Styles! Oh my gosh! You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. It has been rumored for weeks that the hottest free agent in sports entertainment was heading to WWE. Styles is here! Tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here. That depends a good deal on where you want to get to, said the cat. I don't much care where, said Alice, and it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat. So long as I get somewhere, Alice added as an explanation. Oh, you're sure to do that, said the cat. If you only walk long enough. Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland. This is Shake Them Ropes, episode 132. On the show, the table has been set for the main event at Fastlane. AJ Styles is told to sit at the kids' table by Miz, and Seth Rollins goes through a couple tables as we rewind and review number 46 in WWE.com's top 100 matches to see on the network before you die, Team Hell No and Ryback versus The Shield from TLC 2012. I'm Jeff Hawkins, senior citizen of the Voices of Wrestling family. Here's your host, a man joining the ranks of noted muckrakers such as Louis Brandeis and Upton Sinclair, Newly minted writer for ProWrestlingSheet.com, Rob McCarron. Rob, I think the question on everyone's mind is, can you handle the banter? Occasionally. <laughs> Not every time by any means. But occasionally. Occasionally, every once in a while, I can handle the banter. And then, uh, you know, my my skin grows thinner. Mm-hmm. And I seek to put an end to that banter. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I'm going to be uh, helping out at Pro Wrestling Sheet. That's basically the news. Um, I only have one story up so far. And that was of Blackjack Mulligan, which is a sad story. Yeah. One that I hope won't have a sad ending anytime soon. But yeah, it was. Uh, it came out on, what, Monday that Blackjack Mulligan uh, was in the hospital. He posted on his own Facebook page. Uh, you know, he's in the WWE Hall of Fame. The Blackjacks are in the WWE Hall of Fame. He's the father-in-law to IRS, Mike Rotunda. He's the grandfather to uh, Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt, and that's why they missed Raw on Monday. They were tending to their grandfather, who was ill with blood clots, and we haven't really had much of an update since then. But yeah, Blackjack Mulligan. Big fan of the Blackjacks, were you, Jeff? I was a big fan of Blackjack Mulligan because he was one of the earliest people I saw on NWA television. He's, of course, the father of Barry Windham as well. Yeah, there's a Um, whole Windham family. There's a ton of them. Yeah. But one of the first angles I ever saw was that one where Ric Flair in in this polyester suit goes to Blackjack's ranch to enlist help in fighting Wahoo McDaniel and Tully Blanchard. And so, you know, Blackjack was a big time face when I was kind of a 
moderate. I wasn't yet a fan per se, but I was watching wrestling occasionally here and there. And he was a big time face in the Carolinas at that time. So we hope uh, that Blackjack Mulligan uh, pulls through and, and uh, we get good news at the end of this one. Shake them ropes. This is episode 132. As Jeff said, we're going to talk about the debut of the shield later. Oh, looking back at what fun WWE was for a year and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to look back at that. For those who are unaware, we also feature live shows on YouTube. Our next one after WWE Fastlane, we will be live, live streaming on YouTube at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash YouTube. Go subscribe now and uh, prepare for the live fun coming up on WWE Fastlane. Follow us on Twitter at ShakeThemRopes. Jeff is at CrapGame13. And if you are shopping on Amazon, shop through our click-through link. You support the show at the same time while spending no extra money. Go shop through VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Amazon. Jeff, I have a whole list of topics here. I was kind of working on the topics over the last hour. I mean, I had much of them written down for yesterday when we should have done this show. But uh, yesterday was interesting. Um, I text you at about, what, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern? A couple of hours before we were supposed to record. Because we normally record on Tuesdays. So I, I texted you uh, that could we push the show to Wednesday? Mm-hmm. And at first it was just because of a work thing. I, I kind of had some stuff that I had to get done and I wasn't uh, fully fully finished yet. Um, and I was coming up on a deadline. I'm like, okay, let's just hopefully do it tomorrow. And then about five minutes after we had confirmed that we would do it Wednesday, my power went out. So I couldn't have even done the show anyway. So it worked out that way. My power went out, and it did it did not come back on for about three hours uh, due to the uh, the tail end of this superstorm Kayla that passed through. We didn't get any snow, but we got a bunch of rain and thunderstorms, and the power went out. So here we are on Wednesday night after Raw and SmackDown. We'll get to a lot of these topics here that I have on my list, but what is the number one topic on Jeff Hawkins' mind? What is number one for this week that we absolutely have to get through? I think the build for the main event for Fastlane, I think that would be the number one topic that we should get to. All right, let's see where that was on my list of topics. That was number eight on my the, list of topics, but we will do that. Dean Ambrose, by the way, in my, in, in my mind, um, this whole work thing, yeah, cover, cover for a booty call. It wasn't, I promise. <laughs> I mean, that's what ended up happening, but lie to me, Rob. Lie to me. <laughs> I would never, I would never lie to you, Jeff Hawkins. No, it was not a cover for anything like that. Don't worry. But uh, okay. uh well, what's you, your number one, AJ Styles? Um, uh, my number one is uh is probably Shinsuke Nakamura to NXT because I mean it's been out there for a long while. It's been out there since January 5th, right? That Shinsuke Nakamura was coming. Uh, We did this show last week on Tuesday. On Wednesday, it was revealed that Shinsuke Nakamura would debut at NXT TakeOver Dallas. So since the last time we did a show, the Shinsuke Nakamura official news kind of broke. So we haven't talked about it really in depth as far as, you know, what we'll now be seeing. And it is interesting how they go into NXT TakeOver Dallas. Uh, We can get into the main event of Fastlane first. That's fine. Um, It is interesting how going into NXT TakeOver Dallas, many of the matches Many of the superstars on that show have already been promoted by WWE.com because they're taping so much television so far. I mean, they taped all the television leading up to TakeOver, and we're still two months away from it. They've taped all the TV leading up to it already, and some of it was so big that WWE just flat out broke the news that Shinsuke Nakamura is coming, and he's working TakeOver Dallas. They broke the news that Austin Aries had arrived in NXT. We are still weeks away from even seeing Austin Aries 
on NXT TV. But WWE.com said, you know what? We're going to capitalize on the hype. We're going to let people know that they're coming. Let's sell some tickets. Uh, let's uh, let's do all this fun stuff before it even airs on TV. So by the time it airs on TV, the buzz will kind of have, it'll die down a bit and just get rejuvenated all over again when you see it on TV. Um, oh, I'm absolutely stoked for this. And as I said, I have a Russell boner for this NXT card now. I mean, yeah, let's let's get into it. There was a little bit of belly aching on the part of some people about this Nakamura going to NXT while AJ is on the main card. And I'm like, well, you know, AJ has worked in an American promotion that was a carbon copy or tries to be a carbon copy of WWE at its worst, probably. I mean, for, for me, I, I don't mind it. Number one, he's going to debut in front of a red hot crowd that's going to love him. Number two, he's going to have a month to kind of work on not only the production side of how WWE does their entrances, does their promos, just kind of stages things, but also to brush up a bit on his English. I know his English is pretty good, but pretty good's not going to cut it on the main roster. And you know what? If this month he he buckles down and really, really gets a grasp of conversational English, I think it could be nothing but a positive for him. And then not only debuting in front of a hot crowd on NXT, but that will then carry over should he say debut on Raw on that Monday. I mean, it, it, the carryover effect will help greatly to me. I, I have no problems with this. What about you? A lot of it is timing too, right? That, you know, AJ Styles was available for the Royal Rumble. So he was yeah. used as a surprise at the Royal Rumble. Shinsuke Nakamura wasn't. You know, he's not available for this big push to WrestleMania. He wasn't available for the Royal Rumble or the Raw afterwards. So some of it has to do with timing. Uh, some of it has to do with how well-known people would be. And I think AJ Styles in this country is still far more well-known than Shinsuke Nakamura as far as a WWE audience goes. Um, so it, it just kind of works out that way. I am definitely not upset in any way or, you know, throwing shade at WWE for sending Shinsuke Nakamura to to Florida, to NXT. And it's not like he's working. We don't know if he's going to be in NXT. Him working one NXT special on WrestleMania weekend doesn't tell us if he'll actually be on NXT. This right. is the second major event of WWE that weekend. I mean, 6,000 fans, a pretty big gate expected, uh, you know, a big card on WWE Network on WrestleMania weekend. It's not like he's working NXT Largo in Florida, you know? Um, it, it's completely fine. He's working Sami Zayn. It's a big, important match and it'll be a big deal. He very well may be on raw two days later mm -hmm. on WWE raw. I mean, it, just because he's going to be working this NXT show doesn't say anything. And let's not forget uh, if you've ever moved, if you've ever gone from one state to another state, you know how difficult that can be. You have to find a place to live. You have to find where you want to get your groceries. You have to find food and you, you have to find out what that city is like. Well, Shinsuke Nakamura here is moving to a completely new country and getting thrown into it. He should and most likely will benefit from going to Florida for a couple of months to live and figure out what he's going to do before he actually has to go full time on the road or do anything with WWE. Kind of like Finn Balor when he showed up. Finn Balor, I'm sure, benefited from being able to spend time in Florida. I don't know if he necessarily should be there anymore. But you you want to get acclimated to the country, and that's what he's uh, that's what he's going to do in Florida. So you know this guy should be on Raw tomorrow. It's not not only is it not realistic, it probably isn't what he should be doing. So I'm completely fine with him going uh, going to Florida for a little bit, working the NXT Dallas show, and for the fact that Jeff, I mean selfishly, we have tickets to that NXT mm -hmm. Dallas show. 
I am much happier that Shinsuke Nakamura is having his first match on that event than, say, WrestleMania or the Raw after, events that I may not actually be attending live. Yeah, and you can't ask for a friendlier crowd than that NXT crowd is going to be towards Shinsuke Nakamura because they are, for lack of a better term, a more educated crowd in terms of indie and Japan wrestling. I mean, you do that, and then maybe that carryover carries over into, say, Raw, which will be pretty much the same kind of audience should you decide to debut them there. Or, you know, I just... I really don't want them to do what they did with a Tommy in terms of the Andre, the giant battle Royal, <laughs> but you know, there is that chance he could, you know, debut at WrestleMania as well. I mean, but it's nice to, you know, you, you get the easy it's spring training for him in front of the loyal fan base before going up to the majors. I got, you know what? I'm stoked for it. And especially against Sami Zayn, I think that's going to be an excellent match. Yeah, I wouldn't go so far as I think there's 0% shot that Shinsuke Nakamura will be on WrestleMania itself, but that Raw afterwards, that Raw after WrestleMania, I think, very well could see Shinsuke Nakamura show up. And you're right, that crowd would, uh, it benefits him too for a crowd that may not know who he is because now if a crowd is watching that NXT TakeOver show and Mm -hmm. they see Shinsuke Nakamura coming out and he's treated as such a big deal, they'll be like, okay, maybe this guy is a big deal. We should watch on Raw and see what this guy is about for those who may be unaware. Um, I think there's nothing but positives that Shinsuke Nakamura is coming in, build up the hype towards uh, towards that show. Um, and then you got WrestleMania a couple days later. I mean, it's going to be a huge weekend. There's two major events now on WrestleMania weekend instead of the one that we're accustomed to. And both shows will have stuff for everybody. Uh, I myself most likely am looking more forward towards NXT TakeOver. But if you're out there looking forward to WrestleMania, the matches that you end up seeing, we don't have a card for WrestleMania, so it's kind of tough. I, I don't see how the card for WrestleMania can top what I'm expecting from NXT TakeOver Dallas. But WrestleMania is WrestleMania. It's a must-watch, and most of the time it delivers. So uh, it's going to be a huge weekend. But before we get to WrestleMania, we got to find out who the opponent for Triple H and the World Heavyweight Championship is going to be. And Jeff, the main event of Fastlane, should tell us who that number one contender is. Yeah, I thought, you know, there were a couple of positives. I really liked that promo with... Roman and Dean and Stephanie in the office. I thought that was smart. I thought it was what didn't treat it as kind of dumb. You know, they see through the facade of getting played by the McMahons a bit. I liked the Triple H Brock interaction. Uh, I think there's a slight chance that they're going to ruin that goodwill in the next couple weeks by doing the uh, with the ending of Raw where they left Dean Lang where. He kind of accuses Roman of not having his back. I hope they don't do that, but there's that chance. My only concern, I didn't care for the Dean uh, Brock interaction as much as some people. And this actually goes into your boy, Ryan Satin's or Satin. Is that how how do you say his last name? Satin. Satin. Uh, his, His question as to why the Dean Ambrose promo fell flat. And we'll actually get into this when we do our rewind. I I just don't think people want to see the rebel, the the kind of off-kilter, crazy, lives-by-his-own-rules rebel, say the words, I respect you, to anybody. And WWE has this weird habit of doing this in builds, especially in Triple H programs, 
where if you're not the top, top alpha dog, if you're like a B plus player, say in their own lingo, and you have an interaction with a top, top player, you have to say the words, I respect you. It happens a lot in Triple H feuds, as I said. I remember Daniel Bryan did. CM Punk had to do it, and that kind of made him lose a bit of luster. I think Booker T did in his. It's a pattern that I watched for when they started doing builds for Triple H. It's either Triple H or Vince McMahon has a has a mat on for that phrase. And there are other ways to say it, especially a guy like Dean Ambrose who's out there to fight. Uh, I, I recall in, in classic buildups to Flair and Dusty, you know, Dusty can tell Flair, you're the big dog, but I'm bad too. Something in that kind of vernacular, it just loses its luster to me when you have this guy that everybody loves and everybody thinks is just a kick-ass, take-no-prisoners kind of guy. He comes out, he says, I respect you, and he leaves. I think that's why it fell flat. Yeah, Dean Ambrose, I don't know what they're going to do with Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns because the dynamic is certainly uh, out there and they didn't do it for Survivor Series. They held off on Survivor Series. The dynamic is certainly out there that they could do something where they don't get along in the buildup. Like Roman starts to get a little bit more frustrated. It would actually make sense if they do. Uh, Roman gets a little more frustrated. He's had the title taken away from him twice now. Uh, he's tired of it. And this is just one more thing in his way. Uh, the problem is Roman Reigns against Dean Ambrose. No matter what you do with Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns is not going to get the crowd behind him at this point. Same so, with Brock. Same yeah. with Brock. They're, they're trying to heal them a little bit here. And I don't think, I think they have something in mind, but I just don't know if it'll work to make Roman all that sympathetic. I well, mean, it, it looks as if what they're doing is, okay, you had Brock Lesnar end raw by F5ing Dean Ambrose. So Dean Ambrose is the big baby face in the group. He's the most likable one in the crowd. Mm -hmm. So you heal with Brock Lesnar, you take Dean Ambrose out. So now the crowd heat is on Brock Lesnar. They don't like him. And then Roman Reigns is eventually the one that overcomes Brock Lesnar. So in theory, everyone should be like, oh, finally, that Brock Lesnar got his. Hooray for Roman Reigns. Uh, the issue is they got step one right with Brock Lesnar getting the heat off of Dean Ambrose. I don't really know if the crowd is going to be so thankful that it was Roman Reigns taking out Brock Lesnar when they would hope that Dean Ambrose is the one taking out Brock Lesnar. But Dean Ambrose isn't necessarily realistic. Well, I mean, Dean Ambrose is not winning that match. I don't know who's going to win. I assume it's Roman Reigns, but Brock Lesnar certainly could be the winner of that match, and they completely shift focus to Brock versus Triple H. Um, I assume it'll be Reigns, but there's absolutely no way it's Dean Ambrose. Right. I think next week it's something where Brock gets a hold of Roman Reigns and Dean either can or doesn't go to the rescue at that point and it builds more tension that that seems to be they yes that seems to be the build that they do i my hope is that they don't make that the week before fast lane they don't have say roman and dean win the tag titles against the new day and they're squabbling tag that's partners that's because that is what they do and, and <laughs> oh my god they set up for that too didn't they yeah they, they did just a little bit yeah, you could absolutely have uh, the tag championships. And now all of a sudden it's the tag team title holders fighting each other, something that Vince seems to love to do. I would have preferred that they just kept them all away because there's a story here. Brock is the guy who got kind of cheated out of the title at WrestleMania last year when Seth cashed in. Roman's the guy who's been cheated out of the title twice now. Not cheated, but, you know, people have taken advantage of the situation against odds that weren't fair let's say 
And Dean Ambrose is, by story or how they used to do it in the old days, the Intercontinental Champion is the number one contender to the world title. Keep these three away from each other until the match. I just think that keeping them together and doing this, it's it's the wrong way to do the right thing. But this is the way they're going, and it's going to be interesting to see how they somehow get all that love for Dean Ambrose off of him and put it onto Roman Reigns, I think. I don't think they're going to turn Roman heel. I know at least one prominent critic is continuing to cry for Roman to turn heel. I don't think that's going to happen here unless... I don't I don't think it'll happen too, but I think Roman going heel was probably... And this may or should have been the move last year. I think Roman turning heel first was probably the right way to go to more emulate the kind of rise of The Rock. Uh, but right now it's a little too late. You can't really do that leading into WrestleMania. There's just not enough time. No, um, but you could do it at WrestleMania with Stephanie, but we'll hold off on that until we get there. Yeah, I see. I see a different lead up to Fastlane where it would certainly make sense that Roman gets uh, the worst of Brock Lesnar here soon and you start building tension with Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns. I think that's the wrong place to build tension. I think the idea, the the issue is it may not work, but I think the idea and the correct idea is to build tension between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar because Roman Reigns last year at WrestleMania was about to beat Brock before Seth Rollins showed up. Uh, so to build up the right tension, I think it has to be between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Just I don't know if it'll work. And that, I think, is what they're doing. I, I wonder. I think they'll continue this, um, this pattern of keeping hmm. Brock away from Roman, which is why we got the F5 on Dean Ambrose and nowhere in sight was Roman Reigns. I think they'll keep going with the idea that Roman and Brock don't touch. But those are certainly the two different ways they, they can go. See, that's interesting because I think while they're doing that, they're going to keep building the tension between Dean and Roman for when the Wyatts end up taking out Brock in the match, I think. Yeah, well, we'll see. I guess uh, this coming Raw will be an important one. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Brock Lesnar is on a house show this weekend uh, wrestling in San Jose. So I I assume he'll be on Raw. It was spoken as if he might actually be on SmackDown next week, too. So he may be on a couple of events uh, throughout the week for WWE. Uh, but that is Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose versus Roman Reigns, the main event we have to look forward to to Fastlane. Am I, uh, I will look here. Are there any other matches that we know of for sure for Fastlane yet? Uh, I believe Callisto and uh, Alberto Del Rio. That's right. Callisto and Alberto Del Rio for the U.S. Championship. The rematch is uh, happening at Fastlane. I know I, they're building up to several. Uh, it looks like those are the only two matches that are officially announced. Uh, it looks like they're going to build up to some type of title defense for Charlotte, and it may not even be Sasha Banks. I mean, they, that was weird. Yeah, that they, was odd to it, me. What about you? Yeah, it looks like they just kind of took a turn here, and it's going to be Sasha and Becky against Naomi and Tamina in the meantime, with mm. Charlotte possibly going up against Brie Bella. And then we have at WrestleMania the big singles Divas Championship match. But it's like, you have Sasha interplaying with Charlotte two weeks in a row only to not be in it kind of at all. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder if they just completely changed plans and they were like, okay, we have to extend it. We have two months. What we, what can we do in the meantime? Yeah, I, I, I watched that and I was baffled by it. And sometimes you'll get that. Sometimes you'll be like, okay, we don't want to do this yet. We made a mistake. We have to completely reverse course and we'll just hope no one notices. Um, <laughs> but uh, people are noticing that Divas division. Uh, what else do I got on my list? Let's see. We have uh, we had Fastlane card talk. 
We had Dean Ambrose talk. We had Shinsuke Nakamura talk. Shinsuke Nakamura, by the way, uh, came into New York on Monday, and he is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania today. So this guy's getting checked out, hopefully on his way to uh, to Florida, where he'll figure out what he's going to do with his life while here in WWE. Um, AJ Styles. <laughs> Alan yeah. Jones Styles, we had uh, we had the music. You can get his theme, by the way, on iTunes right now. It is available. I love these these uh, CFO themes that are being produced for NXT and WWE. Most of the time, they are massive hits, uh, but you can get the theme. I'll link it in the description here right now on iTunes. AJ Styles was on Miz TV on Monday. Well, we haven't been here for a week. We also got the debut of the Styles Clash on get, SmackDown. We did get the debut. So last week on the show, we talked about when they might debut it and why they haven't debuted it yet and you know what's going on there. It and was later that day. <laughs> later that day, they debuted the Styles Clash. It's interesting now because they debuted the Styles Clash on this week's SmackDown. Spoiler alert coming in five seconds. Skip ahead, uh, skip ahead 30 seconds. On this week's SmackDown, AJ Styles wins with the calf killer. And not the Styles Clash. So what we've got so far with AJ Styles is they've debuted and pushed the moves of AJ Styles on SmackDown, where they've pushed the idea that AJ Styles can't talk on Raw. Yeah. When and they it, haven't really introduced him to the audience in that way on Raw. They've that, had, that's what gets they've, me. They've had him introduced. See, Raw has been all talk. Right, I mean, I know he pinned Chris Jericho, and I'm a fan of him pin pinning Chris Jericho. So he yes. got the win there. But the next week on Raw, he's got Miz TV, Miz going through all the accomplishments. You got JBL for the TV audience going through all the accomplishments. But you haven't really seen the accomplishments yet. And exactly. of course, there's time to do that. You don't have to see it right away. Um, you know, Vince. It's funny too because Vince is always like, "Okay, let's push him to the moon right at the start, and then we'll kind of die down on him. Or if they take off, we'll we'll ride him to the moon." I mean, he did that when Tensai came back, right? When Albert came back, he was beating dudes up for a month straight. Uh, you know, not talking, just beating dudes up. But he's not doing that with AJ Styles here. He's putting AJ on TV. He's having others talk for him, and it was very evident in the Miz TV segment when you know he got no talk time in about a ten minute segment. They don't want AJ Styles to talk, it seems like. They do not want him speaking on a microphone. I worry that they think him talking is going to ruin any momentum he has. I think he'd be fine with a scripted promo. I think his problem in TNA was always that he had to come up with stuff on the fly. I think they just don't like him having a southern accent. Because, you know, they don't like that kind of thing. I, you know, I thought Miz did a great job with bad material. I am just not a fan of bringing a guy out that you want people to see as a star that not everybody knows and kind of working the inside baseball crowd, kind of like they did with Daniel Bryan here and pointing out all the shortcomings that you could possibly argue AJ Styles has. They're not, I'm not going so far as saying, well, this is what Vince really thinks of him. I'm not going that far. But it's like bringing out, you know, Hogan and calling him bald or bringing out Steve Austin and saying you were injury prone in WCW. That's why they fired you by that. And you also beat your wife and you're a drunk and, and expecting people to go, oh, that's a star I want to get behind. I, I just I know what they're doing. It's, again, doing the right thing and going the wrong way about it, making him the scrappy underdog 
isn't while simultaneously insulting him, so to speak, or giving people a reason in their mind where they go, oh, yeah, he is kind of short. Oh, yeah, he is Southern. Oh, yeah, he is just a rookie that never made it to the WWE before this. You don't give people those reasons for a guy that you want people to perceive in a positive light. And, you know, Miz is a great conduit for this kind of thing, but on the, and the same token for people going, well, they're doing the Daniel Bryan build. They didn't exactly treat Bryan all that great either after the Miz program, if you recall. So I'm, I'm not optimistic about how they're doing it, but like you said, they have time. They really do. They really do have time because imagine if he gets a singles match here at fast lane and it very well could be against Chris Jericho. Okay. If he gets a singles match at Fastlane, that could be his coming out. That's where you do, you know, all the moves that you've built up on a big stage and people start to see the real AJ Styles. And then you push for the next month towards WrestleMania. Um, I'm against the idea that they have to do so much right away, that they had to put all the moves on Raw, that they had to make him cut a promo on Raw. It, okay. it seems evident that obviously they don't want him to talk, but we don't really have enough knowledge yet. It's only been two weeks. And so far on SmackDown a show that still gets a pretty good audience. I mean, 3 million viewers are watching SmackDown. Uh, You put over the different moves of AJ Styles. Eventually, he'll do it on Raw. It's not like they're banning anything. Uh, There's time. We're We're two weeks in. For me, I think the major problem was having him sit out there while Miz was doing this. And I don't want him to immediately get up and start, you know, beating on Miz. But how about AJ just doesn't come out? And then Miz gets angry at that. So that's when he starts running him down. And then to some point, AJ gets angry, comes out and beats on Miz a bit. I just think sitting there did him no favors. Yeah, but he's also a new guy, right? I mean, he's new. He doesn't he doesn't know what Miz is going to have him out there for. He can't expect that Miz is going to stop, you know, giving him mic time. You know, if this were real, you're AJ Styles. You're going to go out and have your TV time. I guess. I I mean, I, I, I know what you're saying here. I I wish they had a little bit more faith with him on the mic. Hopefully they do eventually. Scale of one to 10. How excited are you? If they do Braun Strowman versus the undertaker <laughs> does not appear on this scale. <laughs> I'm not at all. None. Zero. And we don't know if that's zero. We don't know if that's going to be the match. We don't even know if undertaker will have a singles match. This could be one of those years. Now that the streak is over, they just do a tag team match of some kind. But Undertaker versus something to do with the Wyatt seems like it could be a possibility. Uh, you, you give have, me Luke. You give me Luke Harper. I'm I'm in that upper echelon. You give oh, me Luke Braun versus Undertaker. Strowman? Sure. Yeah. It's Braun. Just he's wooden. Mm. He's not fluid. He he can't move out there. Just not a good choice. No. Not a good choice. One bit. Uh, we are riding through this list of topics here that I have. I also had. Uh, did you look? Uh, Kevin Owens, who is a master of a lot of things. Did you see the Instagram post of Kevin Owens uh, punking out the five-year-old kid? I did not. Oh, you missed it. Well, if you haven't seen it out there, you need to check on Kevin Owens' Twitter account. Kevin Owens was working a house show against Dean Ambrose. In the front row... The two were brawling in front of the front in front of the fans in the front row. And 
a dad is holding up his five-year-old kid. Kevin Owens is punching Dean Ambrose. He yells at the kid, that kid has no charisma. Like he's punking out this five-year-old kid and the crowd around him starts to laugh. And the kid, as Kevin Owens is next to him, kind of puts up his his hand as if he thinks Kevin Owens is going to high five him. So Kevin Owens uh, goes for the high five. The kid puts his hand up for the high five. As the kid is reaching out for the high five, Kevin Owens pulls his hand back in the most, uh, you know, immature and childish thing ever. While also awesome at the same time. And the kid gets completely punked out. Fake high five. The crowd around him goes nuts. And this video is up on Instagram on Kevin Owens' account. Um, I didn't feel like it was enough for a full, true Kevin Owens hates you segment. But thought it was wor- worth mentioning. Go check it out. I retweeted it at Shake Them Robes. But it's up on, uh, it probably would be easier to find on Kevin Owens' Twitter account. Uh, because this guy's a heel all the time. He will punk mm-hmm. out your kid. He will mm-hmm. he will do what CM Punk does. He doesn't care. He will do what Sasha Banks does to Izzy. Yes. To famous, popular Izzy. Just punk out those kids. We don't care. Kevin Owens, Sasha Banks, Roderick Strong. The last three heels left in America. Speaking of pro wrestling sheet, there was a news story earlier this week about Batista. Mm-hmm. In what could be like the most common sense thing ever, of course they're reaching out to almost anyone. Uh, they reached out to Batista to see if he would work WrestleMania in some factor. Um, first to wrestle, wouldn't happen. Then to be a uh, like a special referee for something, not going to happen. Um, Batista, most likely not going to be at WrestleMania 32. Are you surprised that Batista is maybe not going to be there but also that they were working so hard to try and get him as if he's going to be a big draw because I think his final run kind of told you that, you know what, you have guys in your own company that the fans want to see more than Batista. His time's probably over. Are you surprised that they're just reaching out to uh, Batista to try and have this really high role in WrestleMania? No, because Batista has mainstream cred along with the Bond film and the Guardians of the Galaxy films. He's he's a legitimate, you know, B-list actor out there now and they need him more than he needs them. And well, I think, absolutely. and I think Batista just kind of, you know, it, I don't view Batista as a necess- necessarily nostalgic person. So, I mean, I'm sure he, he, you know, when he has the upper hand, I'm sure it, it's fun to listen to them grovel. I mean, I'd do the same thing, but in the end, you know, he, he wasn't coming. Let me ask you this on the same subject. How do you feel about uh, that promo from Monday kind of doubling down on hinting that the rock may be wrestling at WrestleMania? See, I never, I, I don't think there was really any hinting of that. You don't think the new day coming out and kind of bringing it back, bringing the rock back up. No, because uh, I mean, when Rusev okay. was punked out by Rocky did the same thing the next week. And what were we all speculating? Oh, they're going to do Rusev and the rock. What? No, it's just what they do. Fair enough. You kind of keep the rock name out there. You kind of, you make yourselves feel better because you're talking about The Rock. But no, there's not going to be any match. There might be a beatdown. The New Day, for all we know, could be involved in something with the Usos, and you have The Rock beat down The New Day again at WrestleMania. By the way, speaking of social media, The New Day is back in the interview segment with Michael Cole on WWE.com this week. It's fantastic yet again. Yeah, those Michael Cole interviews started off as just kind of like a uh, a State of the Union from Triple H, 
and they've now taken off this whole life on their own. Like whoever the big topic of the week, they do a little interview with Michael Cole and they're fantastic. And he has, he usually has the heels on there. He usually has Dean Ambrose. He usually has, uh, or not Dean Ambrose, but Kevin Owens. They uh, do more character. They do more character development on those interviews than they do on raw. Yeah. They're, In my opinion. They're yeah. fantastic. I love them. I think they're great. I think they are fantastic. You should go watch the Michael Cole show. All right, checking things down on the list. Batista. We uh anything else from Raw that you really want to discuss? Because I felt that this Raw was kind of forgettable. There wasn't a whole lot on there. I mean, I'm I'm liking the build up uh to this point of AJ Styles as long as you know the big stuff happens at some point. I mean, if this is the way they're gonna go with AJ forever, obviously that's not a good thing, but I'm willing to spend time waiting for the big thing of AJ Styles. The Diva stuff was weird. The main event stuff was as could be expected. This was just really a filler episode of Raw. It was not at the level of excitement that you would expect for the build-up to WrestleMania yet, uh, and uh, hopefully that comes around Fastlane and beyond, but this Raw, nothing special. No, but it was interesting still because, I mean, you had Brie beating Charlotte, who's the Divas champ, you had Kevin Owens losing clean to Dolph Ziggler, which was interesting, if not a little baffling. And then to build up Kalisto, you have him get a huge countout win, which I think is probably going to be standard operating procedure through the League of Nations, working up to the Alberto Del Rio um, rematch. But I'm not sure that helps him as much as some people think, but interesting, but Utterly forgettable, yeah. And I thought I thought this week's NXT um, built quite well to their programs coming up. Yeah, I haven't even ah. NXT's so weird. Like, I mean, I know what happens on the shows, but there was so much TV taped, and I I wanted to stay in tune with what was going on on TV, so at least I would I would know where they're at because there was a lot of new talent coming in. That I'm not watching the show as intently. As okay. I was before. Um, and I don't know if I will. I'm, I'm really excited to see what happened on the, you know, the Atlanta show or the Orlando arena shows, the ones they taped at the CFE arena and not in front of full sale. Cause I, I really want to see how those, uh, those wrestlers appeared in front of a larger and more vocal crowd. And in the big time feel, we're going to get a couple of weeks of TV, unlike the usual one week that we got when they were in Brooklyn and when they were in Columbus, Ohio, we're going to get a couple of weeks of TV. I want to see how they react on episode like three and four of those tapings. So I'm, well, I'm looking forward to NXT TV coming up in the, in the next few weeks. Uh, but these full sale shows seem like they're just kind of, eh, I, I, I don't care really that much about them. Love NXT, but I'm not really hyped about the current shows that are airing, including the one that will come on later tonight. Really, I, I enjoyed this past episode because I think they're doing it well and logically in terms of the main event for TakeOver coming up. And I'll tell you one thing, I, I, I really enjoyed the uh, Cass and Enzo Carmella interview here. I think they're getting much, much better at promos in terms of kind of having a bit more toughness rather than goofiness. And if they don't pull the trigger on these guys soon and either give them the belts to have a run or bring them up to the main roster to finally debut. They got to cut bait on them because there's no, they've hit their ceiling. I think in terms of, in terms of these angry promos that are coming out, this is the best there's going to be strike while the iron's hot. I would agree with that. 
Um, I'm looking to see, because right now we know Fastlane is in Cleveland, uh, trying to see what the locations are of the shows coming up after that, because I really think Enzo and Cass are coming up soon. And I wouldn't be shocked if they come up on the Raw after uh, Fastlane, which is in Detroit. Uh, it's in Detroit, so I don't know about that. Um, but I could see them kind of coming up before even the WrestleMania. And if they're not up by WrestleMania, I I think for sure, like no question, they're going to be on that post-Mania Raw. Like I would yeah. say right now, 95%, they'll be up to WWE by that post-Mania Raw or before. Really good. I mean, that that post-Mania Raw with all the people we're thinking they may bring up is getting kind of bloated there with Bailey and Samoa Joe and... You know, Sami Zayn may come in well, after Fastlane. I mean, and and the tag division is nothing to write home about right now with your big story being Uso's New Day and your second main story being R-Truth and Goldust. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. But, yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of people. But let's look at when Neville and Paige and all these different guys came up. Um, there have been times where multiple people have come up at the same time. Uh and you're also going to have cycle some guys off TV. I mean, Brock Lesnar, Undertaker, some of these guys that will be on the Mania Raws uh, and Mania itself won't be there the next night. You have three hours to fill. You want to make it exciting. You're going to bring up some different people. So I could see an Enzo and Cass. That's one act. I don't really buy that Samoa Joe or Finn Balor will be coming up, either one of them. So you have Enzo and Cass, which is one act. You have Bailey, which is a second act. And you have Sami Zayn, which is the third act. That's not a lot. That's one new person coming up per hour. Yeah. It's not I that mean, many. You're, you're right. You're right in that respect. It just sounds like a lot because then you're depleting NXT, but you just had a takeover special. You're going to have new tapings. You can get over some new guys. And if Carl Anderson and uh, Doc Gallows are coming in, you're getting new talent in anyway. Shinsuke Nakamura, we'll see where Shinsuke goes. Uh, so you have a lot of different ways you can go with with different talent. Uh, but Jeff at the time, now it is presently the moment for our top 100 match mm. match number 46 on our top 100 matches on WWE network to see before you die. It is team. Hell no. Daniel Bryan and Kane with the Ryback taking on in their debut as a unit on TV, at least the shield. At TLC yes. 2012, it is the Shield's debut match. It was their second match in WWE as a unit. They had worked the house show the previous night. First match on TV. It was a TLC match. So these guys were thrown together and put in a uh, in a crazy bout with Daniel Bryan, Kane, and the Ryback. This was also a time when CM Punk was hurt. He was not right. on the show wrestling. He was sort of in a program with the Ryback. He was coming off of a program with the Ryback, basically. Uh, so the Ryback was kind of getting his semi uh, his semi annual top contender push. Well, no, no, no. This was when they were really pushing the Ryback hard. And it, isn't this also like didn't he get hurt in the Hell in the Cell match that they had to stick Ryback in because Cena got injured? Well, yeah, Ryback was in there and he got the big push because Cena was hurt and he got the program with CM Punk for a little well, bit. They they were pushing him because, but, but they were pushing him before that. They just rushed him into the hell yeah. in the cell main event. Yeah, he, he was yeah. gaining momentum, but I yeah. mean, honestly, it was it was a semi push when all things were done because it's not like he continued. I mean, he right, you know, th this was and it was the, the second time when he first debuted. He was getting an even larger push. This was the re push of the Ryback, or no, this might have been the first one. But still, the first he's gotten a couple of them. 
mm-hmm. and he was in this match here because CM Punk was hurt and then kind of just uh, thrown away after that. This match does so much right. It has a couple of minor things that are wrong, but it does a lot right here, especially in the debut of The Shield. It gets all three individual personalities over, in my opinion. It it has Seth as the acrobatic leader, the brains of the operation. You have Dean Ambrose, especially in that kind of in the beginning, the chop spot with Ryback as the kind of the sadomasochistic nutty fighter who's who knows he's going to get hurt and he knows he's going to have some pain coming to him, but he's going to try and dish it out anyways. Just that look where he kind of licks his lips after chopping him and Ryback no sells it was great. And you have Roman Reigns being the muscle of the group. And, and also throughout this match, he's the guy that ends up getting all the saves. I believe every time either Ambrose or Rollins is in trouble. You had, oh, yeah, he was the hero for sure. Yeah, you had them trying to rehab the Ryback. I think they did a fairly decent job of trying to do that here. Daniel Bryan and Kane were super over here. I thought the the commentary here, especially JBL continually harping that the Shield were working as a unit, was was great here. I, I think my only two minor knocks here was, of course, the Shield coming out with two people in one row and... and and Roman in the other, as opposed to as a unit, already kind of sowing those seeds that Roman was separate but equal from the group. I didn't care for that. And of course, this was goat face Daniel Bryan time, where they're just, they keep on harping on this thing. And even now, I I found myself screaming at the TV, shut up. (laughs) I mean, he's so over, and they just don't want him to be, and it drove me nuts. But as a match... And as a brawl, and especially as a debut, even though they had concerns about this, man, the Shield should still be a top, top unit in the WWE. They could have made so much money if their inclination to break up groups and teams didn't get the better of them. I I, I, I love this match quite a bit. No, it was an all-out spectacle. It was a TLC match. So that, I mean, they had tables, they had the chairs, they had the ladders all over the place. Um, I want to cut right to the big spot. Mm-hmm. Big spot towards the finish where this could have also been Seth Rollins' last match ever in WWE. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. He takes this bump through this table and rams his head into the side of one, I believe. Well, it plays the- into the finish. So I want to go through this sequence here because uh, this may be a lot of uh, listeners out there. And you might be listening to this. And like this might be the one spot you actually remember because it was noteworthy. It, was, it led into the finish. I, you have Daniel Bryan and Kane kind of taken out at ringside, right? Uh, so all three members of the Shield, Roman, Dean, and Seth, go beat up on Ryback, take him towards the stage, and beat him up so bad that they lay him on a table. And Seth Rollins sees the big giant ladder right there by the table. So Roman and Dean had just killed Ryback, basically. And they tell Seth, you got this. And they go back to the ring. They leave yeah, Seth alone they- with the Ryback. Let, let me cut you off here real quick, because they were holding him at first, talking to him, which I thought was a nice little touch. And then I think it was Seth who says, I got this, go on away. And they they went to kind of stand guard while he was continuing to climb. I thought that was great. Yeah, so, they, so as he's up there on the ladder, though, they're walking away when he climbs up to the ladder. They're walking back towards the ring, not paying attention to where Ryback is. Mm-hmm. So Seth gets up there, and that's when Ryback starts to recover. Starts to recover a little bit, climbs up the ladder after Seth, 
while Dean and Roman are still walking towards the ring because they don't know any of this is going on. Now, set up next to all these ladders was a larger stack of tables. Two tables stacked up on top of each other, right side by side by another two stacked up right by each other. So the Ryback catches Seth Rollins as Seth is trying to climb even further up the ladder to run away from the Ryback. He gets caught. And Ryback pulls Seth off the ladder towards the stack of four total tables. He doesn't quite fly far enough to land really well on these tables. He sort of hits the first stack of two and takes this bump through these tables. The second stack of two doesn't break. He hits his head on the bottom table And like, I would just think that with the force that he was going through, he could have easily been knocked out by that table. He takes this hellacious bump and then the Ryback tries to work his way back towards the ring while Seth is laying there dead, but he doesn't get back to the ring fast enough as Roman and Dean take care of Daniel Bryan by powerbombing him through a table for the one, two, three, giving the shield the win. And, uh, and Dean and Roman had no idea what had happened to Seth yet. I was shocked because I freaked out when I saw this spot the first time. It I looked, thought for it sure, looked absolutely killer. I thought for sure Seth Rollins might be paralyzed. I, I did. I, I was like, and when they said, oh, no damage, maybe mildly concussed, I was like, you know, thank, thank God, you know, because just the camera angle and the way he landed and everything, I just, it, it, it looked much worse than it turned out to be. Oh, yeah. No, it, it looked pretty bad. And the fact that he was okay is a good thing. But, yeah, it looked uh, it looked really, really painful for Seth Rollins. Uh, but that was the Shield's debut, and they win their debut. Uh, and then they go on to basically just run roughshod over six-man tags, have the feud with the Wyatt family and so forth, uh, eventually mm-hmm. when the Wyatts come in, and uh, have a lot of fun matches. But not really keyed on as important acts. I mean, you get the tag team title reign with Seth and Roman, you get the U S title reign with Dean Ambrose, but they're never in that main event picture too long. Every once in a while, they're in there on a raw on a SmackDown, of course, was kind of their show. Um, you know, had a couple of cool things with the undertaker, but never the top act because Vince doesn't like to push a a group as a top act. He wants one guy. And they also just in story, they became they, you know, it was a hired guns type thing where they hired by CM Punk, where they hired by Paul E. And then eventually they go to work for the authority. But, you know, they, they were still having the vignettes with the individual personalities and whatnot. I mean, they had the chance here and you can't have a hotter debut than this. It, it's just one of those things that you look at and you think in a different company run by a different person, these guys would still be on top drawing money as a, as a top unit. And they were still getting over there walking through the crowd entrance because when their music hits, the crowd is looking towards the stage. The wrestlers are looking towards the stage. Oh, I mean, when, when, when the radio, when Sierra hotel in, into you, you know, quiet. When, when that, yeah. When that hits, they, they, you know, you kind of like Brock's music, you know, stuff's about to go down and the goodwill from this debut and the subsequent beatdowns and whatnot they were doing on TV week after week has carried through to help, especially Seth and Dean in, in their upper card pushes here. I, I think, I think when it became apparent that they were in love with Roman Reigns, I think the popularity of the unit kind of 
hurt him, but it helped the other two quite a bit. And and the Dean Ambrose, lo- I mean, Dean Sur- has survived being a prop comic for weeks. I mean, he, he survived them not taking advantage of his popularity due to this goodwill. That was match number 46 in our top 100 next week. Match number 45 uh, from WWE The Bash. Mask versus Intercontinental title. Chris Jericho defending the title against the Mask of Rey Mysterio. That'll be match number 45 on our countdown. Do you remember anything from that one without having gone back and watched it yet? No, not at all, because this was during roster split, right? No. Oh, okay. Well, I was kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm well, as you can see, a bit lapsed in this kind of time period right now. Was it, was it all the way back during the roster split? I don't, I, I don't remember. Im- I, I mean, can't imagine it was, y- you know, the other reason is because I had watched Nitro all those years. I've seen so many Jericho Rey Mysterio matches that they all kind of blend a bit. So I don't, I don't remember anything from this one. I'll have to go back and watch the build and whatnot for it. Yeah, it was, uh, it- yeah, it, it was a tri-brand. It, the main event was Randy Orton, Triple H, in a three stages of hell match. John Cena wrestled The Miz uh. on the show. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff Hardy and CM Punk uh, going at it for the world title. I remember that program. You also, but I wasn't a regular, I wasn't a regular SmackDown watcher, and I true. think the build was on SmackDown for the most part. Because yeah. this was, was this SmackDown 6 era? No, this was 2009. 2009. Wow. Okay. This was late. Yeah. This was Chris Jericho, one of his later runs. Uh, and then Ray Mysterio, uh, yep. 2009 in the summer, you still had ECW. You had uh, C, you know, sci-fi ECW, Tommy dreamers on the show, but Eesh. Eesh. 2008, 2009, <laughs> it's a weird territory really for, uh, for the memory. It really is. Um, but that'll be next week on shake them ropes. Any final thoughts before we uh, say goodbye to the people and we return next week on an all new episode. Thoughts and prayers with uh, Blackjack Mulligan and his family. And Bret Hart. And Bret Hart, too, yes. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer.
If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.